I want to pray one more time before we go into the Word this morning. I have a short message, but I think it's something that's coming more from my heart than from the notes. Okay? Let's pray. Father, we thank you that the Holy Spirit is alive. The Holy Spirit has things to say to the church. And Lord, over and over we see to hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. God, give us ears to hear. Give us circumcised, open hearts to receive what the voice of the Spirit is whispering to the church in these last days. Lord, I believe with all my heart these are the last days and the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ is soon and very soon. And you are raising up a bride, a glorious, radiant church without spot, without wrinkle, without blemish. And Lord, you're calling us to be a part of that body, a part of that bride. And we submit, we surrender, we open our hearts and our ears to you now, O God. Have your way, have your way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. I want you to open your Bibles to Acts chapter 3. Several weeks ago, we had a message here from Pastor Park. And one of the scriptures that he read, I don't know if you've had this experience, but very often when you least expect it, God has something he wants to say to you. And it may come through a preacher, it may come through a little child, but if you have ears to hear, you'll know that you're hearing the Holy Spirit speak something to you. And one of the ways I've learned to recognize the voice of the Holy Spirit is when He speaks something to me, it lingers. It's something that just keeps boiling and working inside of me, sometimes for days and weeks after I initially heard it. And he was sharing with us about the anointing, about the power of the Holy Spirit and how we need that anointing in our lives. But he came to this passage in Acts chapter 3 and one little portion of this scripture just jumped out at me and I haven't been able to shake it. It's been in me ever since then, and I know that it's something that the Holy Spirit is speaking to me, and I believe to all of us. Acts chapter 3, you remember the story of the crippled man who had been begging there at the entrance to the temple. Peter and John just recently baptized in the Holy Spirit. They've just recently witnessed the crucifixion and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, his ascension back into heaven, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost, and now they're going to the temple to pray. Okay? That's all they're doing. They're just going about their business, going to the temple to pray. And we pick it up in Acts 3 from verse 1. One day Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer. And I'm not going to preach on this this morning, but notice they had a time to pray. I'm not going to go on any further with that, but we have times in our little fellowship here. Times to pray, times to fast, times to get into the Word. And it's nice when we can all come together at that time of prayer, at that time to study the Word. And so the church already has a time of prayer and Peter and John are on their way to pray at three in the afternoon. Now a man crippled from birth was being carried to the temple gate 
called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Now follow this very carefully. He asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention. Notice, he's still expecting money. Expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, sad, quiet, and grumpy. You know, I'm not going to pick on anybody today, but I, I look at people when they come into church. I, I watch people when, they, when they're up front singing or collecting the offering or whatever. And, you know, sometimes our facial expression, it seems like we're grimacing in pain to be here. This man was walking and jumping and praising God in the house of God. Maybe we can try that once in a while. Walking and jumping and praising God. Now, two things I want to point out to you about what we've just read. Peter and John had no silver or gold. Is that right? They had no silver or gold. What does everybody in America want? Silver and gold. What do most churches want? More silver and gold. They had none of it. Silver or gold, I don't have any, but what I have, I give you. Second thing I notice, we need to know what we do have. Peter knew what he didn't have, and he knew what he did, and he knew which one was important and which one wasn't. And we spend most of our time worrying about what we don't have, and it isn't important. And we're neglecting what we do have, and we're not using it. Did anybody hear what I just said? Yes. Sounded pretty good to me because it's not coming from me. It's coming from the Holy Spirit. Silver or gold, I don't have, but what I have. We need to know who we are and what we have. Stop worrying about what we don't have. If you don't have it, it's not important. Because God has seen to it that you have what you need. Hmm. The crippled man mistakenly thought it was money that he needed. He was wrong, dead wrong. More money wouldn't have helped him. You and I are often thinking, if I just had more money, it would fix my life. It won't. Matter of fact, it might make your life worse. And your life might become worse trying to pursue it. The crippled man thought it was money he needed, but what he really needed was Jesus. Amen. What you and I really need is not money, cars, houses, or stuff. What we need is Jesus. But here's the part where Holy Spirit really put his finger on my heart. 
We, and when I say we, I'm saying all of us, but especially those of us in ministry, those of us in some kind of church leadership, we often mistakenly think that it's money that we need to do the job of the ministry. Oh, we can't do that because we don't have enough money. Hello? We, we can't really take that on, Pastor, because we don't have enough money. Silver and gold have I none, but what I have, I give you. Get up and walk. We got crippled people around us that think they need money, think they need stuff, think they need some kind of help from the government, or I don't know what they're thinking, but what they need is Jesus. And we think we need more money to be able to reach them. And God is saying, no, you already got what you need. Give them what you have. Silver and gold, I don't have any. But what I have, I give you. I'm going to suggest that we start spending more time praying, asking God to open the eyes of our understanding, not to get more, to understand what we have. Now, if you've not yet received the fullness of the Holy Spirit, we want to pray with you and get you to that point. Once you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you've got it. You've got all that you need to function as a Christian. He will lead you into all truth. He will gift you. He will empower you. He will anoint you to do everything that God has ever called you to do. You're not lacking anything. But I'm finding more and more, and even in my own life, If I'm not careful, I forget who I am and what I have. And the devil gets me thinking about what I don't have. And you know, that's where we can really get into a mess and we start, Oh, if only I could be like so-and-so. No, maybe if you were like so-and-so, you'd be twice as miserable as you are. Start praying, God, show me what I have. Show me who I am in Christ show me the potential that you've already placed within me and I'll confess to you very often as a pastor as a church leader money somehow enters into the equation well we don't have enough money to do that we don't have enough money to do the ministry does that sound right think about what I just said we don't have enough money to do the ministry that he's called us to do that doesn't sound right I met with a church leader recently. He's the head of a far larger movement than ours, far more prosperous, far more successful. Many, many churches, many, many pastors and leaders. It's a large movement. And I was inquiring about one of the young pastors there because I had had an opportunity to train him and disciple him some time ago, and I was wondering how he was doing. And this leader said, well, he's no longer with us. I said, what happened? He said, well, he was starting to dress down on Sundays. He wasn't coming in his suit anymore. I'm not making this stuff up. It's actually very sad. He said he was no longer wearing his suit on Sundays. And I had to confront him and say, look, this ministry is a multi-million dollar corporation. I'm quoting exact words here. This ministry is a multi-million dollar corporation. We need to present a certain image on Sundays, wear a suit. Very sad, the young pastor left. 
He's no longer with them. Well, your pastors wouldn't either, because look at us. And you know what? If I got to wear a suit to present some kind of an image to you, we're already on the wrong track. We're already going down the wrong road. And this is what I want to speak to you about today. As we're getting closer and closer to the coming of the Lord, I believe we're seeing one of the parables of Jesus fulfilled. You remember the parable of the wheat and tares? Nobody knows what a tear is. NIV gets it a little closer. It's a weed. Wheat and weeds. And the workmen, they came to the master and they said, Master, we sowed wheat in the field, but now when we go out and check, we're finding these weeds growing up everywhere we planted wheat. Right alongside the wheat, there are weeds. Anybody here ever done any gardening? Did you have to plant the weeds? Where did they come from? It's like for every corn seed, 20 weeds come. For every lettuce seed, 100 weeds come. I don't know where they come from, but Jesus told them an enemy planted those weeds. I didn't plant them, you didn't. An enemy planted them. And they said, well, do you want us to pull them up? If I'm the master, I would say, please go pull up every weed from my garden. His answer was strange. You remember what it was? Don't pull them up. Let them grow together until the harvest. And in the harvest, there'll be a separation and the weeds will be bundled up and thrown into the fire. That's scary. There are a lot of things growing in the world today. And let me narrow this down a little bit more. There are a lot of things growing in the so-called Christian world. It doesn't mean everything that's growing is from God. Some of you didn't hear that one either. There are some things planted by God and there are some things not. And God is allowing them all to grow together until the end. And I was once talking to another pastor about this and I was saying, you know, our little church, we're struggling to get 20 or 30 people to come on Sundays. And John Smith over here, he's got 500 coming in every Sunday. And without even thinking, his answer was, weeds grow fast, brother. Wow. Wow. Weeds grow fast. Now, I'm not saying we don't have some weeds here. I might be one of them. But God's letting me grow alongside with you, for now anyway. But there is a day coming where there's going to be a clear distinction. The problem is it'll be too late because then it's harvest. It's harvest time. And as I travel around, as I observe what's going on in the greater Christian world, if I can use that term... I see two different streams, and they're, they're diverging. They're separating more and more with time. And the one stream is more like the first pastor I referred to. Their church is a multi-million dollar corporation. They're a for-profit corporation. You know, we talk about non-profit corporations. That's a bunch of foolishness. Most churches are for-profit. <laughs> And they're in it for the profit. A much smaller stream is that group of people 
that aren't interested in wearing a three-piece suit and putting on a big Sunday show and impressing people and having a five million dollar temple with stained glass windows so they can show off to everybody how great they are and I want to take you to a portion of scripture I'm sure I've shared on here before but it's it's still burning inside of me and I need to share it it's found in Genesis chapter 11 Genesis chapter 11 the background on this is about three years ago I was in Honduras I was in a little house with several pastors and we just decided to pray there was no organized meeting no big event we just wanted to pray so a few of us knelt down and started praying in this little living room and like I said earlier sometimes God surprises you he shows up and he starts to speak and he starts to show you things and you weren't expecting it well that happened to me in that living room I wasn't expecting any great visions or you know lightning bolts or angels or anything I just knelt down to pray a little bit and all of a sudden I saw a vision I'm not one that sees visions I don't have visions of angels flying around in the room every 20 minutes like some people I have a vision maybe once every five to ten years but when I do I know when it's from the Lord and it won't leave me and this one won't leave me after three years this has become pretty much the guiding principle of my whole life and ministry now and it changed my perspective on many things when I saw this vision in the vision I saw what's described here in Genesis 11 the Tower of Babel and I'm gonna read from verse 1 down to verse 9 Genesis 11 from 1 to 9 I think we have it up on the screen now the whole world had one language and a common speech as men moved eastward they found a plain in Shinar and settled there they said to each other come let's make bricks and bake them thoroughly they used brick instead of stone and tar for mortar then they said listen carefully to this here's the motivation for their work for their project come let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens so that we may make a name for ourselves and not be scattered over the face of the whole earth keep it there did you notice the word ourselves twice what was this all about I call it the unholy trinity me myself and I this is about me this is about ourselves I don't I don't see anything about let's do this for the Lord let's build ourselves a city and let's make a name let us glorify the Lord's name no let us make a name for ourselves and not be scattered over the face of the whole earth next verse but the Lord he looked up to see their great power Wow look what they've made the Lord came down to see the city and the tower that the men were building let me help you here a little bit our greatest projects the greatest programs that man could ever imagine the Lord has to stoop down to look at them they're nothing nothing to him and the Lord said if as one people speaking the same language they have begun to do this then nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them come let us go down and confuse their language so they will not understand each other so the Lord scattered them from there over all the earth 
and they stopped building the city. In my vision, I saw this whole tower and I saw it crumble into dust. And I saw it just complete confusion afterwards. And then the Holy Spirit spoke to me. And I have seen and witnessed this being fulfilled time and time again in the last three years since the Lord showed me this. The Holy Spirit showed me every ministry, every church that has this as its motivation. Let's make a name for ourselves. Let's do this for ourselves. I'm going to bring it down and it's going to be confusion. I could cite ministry after ministry, church after church. I won't. That's not my purpose today. My purpose is to help you and me make sure we're on the right path. That's the wrong one. And if your goal, if my goal is to be able to boast wearing a three-piece suit that we are now a multi-million dollar corporation, we better think again. Because somewhere behind that is this motivation. Let's make a name for ourselves. Let's be great. Let's be big. Now don't get me wrong. I want to grow. I want to reach people. I want to be able to make Christ known to as many people as we possibly can, but I don't want to do it the wrong way. And, you know, we look at ourselves and we think, wow, we're not very big, we're not very rich, we're not very powerful. But you know, God is using this little ministry in ways beyond our understanding. (laughs) I got two emails this week. One from a lady in Pakistan and one from a pastor in India. They're following our Bible studies regularly every week. And they actually want us to start having some kind of an online service with them through Skype and the internet. Pakistan, India. Whoever thought? This is what technology has opened up for us. We're not bound by these walls. We're not bound by silver or gold or the lack of it. What I have, I give you, Peter said. And we need to be very, very careful to keep checking our hearts, keep checking our motives. Why am I serving the Lord? Why am I coming to church? Why am I a Christian? What is it that I want to accomplish with my life? Is it... To be a multi-million dollar corporation? Or is it to be able to say like Peter, I don't have any silver, I don't have any gold, but I do have something. I have something inside of me. And what I have, I'll give to you. Because freely I have received and freely I will give. And if what you have is silver and gold, my experience is you're not going to be real free about giving all that away. After the Tower of Babel fell, the Lord showed me the next part in the vision. And I had never connected these two stories that are in the same chapter of Genesis. At the very end of Genesis 11, God has his response to the debacle of Babel. They were trying to make a name for themselves, trying to build a tower that reaches heaven. They wanted to have something great that they could boast about. And God found a man named Abram. He finally renamed him Abraham. Both names basically mean the same thing. They mean father. And in Genesis 12, verses 1 to 3, we read something very interesting about this man Abraham. And it's in total contrast 
to what just happened in chapter 11. It says, The Lord had said to Abram, Leave your country, your people, your father's household, and go to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you, and listen carefully to this, and I will what? Make your name great, and you will be a blessing. What a difference. Let's make a name for ourselves versus God Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth, saying, I want to make your name great. The difference between let's build a tower that reaches to heaven so we can show off to the world how smart we are, how talented we are, how wealthy we are, and God saying, if you'll just obey me, if you'll just trust me, I can bless the whole world through you. I don't think Abraham had a clue how that was going to happen, but it did. God fulfilled every promise that he gave to Abraham. He made his name great, he blessed him, and he made him a blessing to all nations on the earth. Simply through obedience and trust. Abraham trusted the Lord, and Abraham obeyed the Lord. And he became the father of all them that believe. What the church needs in these last days is not more silver and gold. What the church needs in these last days is not bigger buildings and bigger building projects. What the church needs in these last days is fathers and mothers of faith. Fathers and mothers who are moving in faith and obeying the voice of the Lord. And we're going to witness a lot of strange things in days to come. We're going to see a lot of towers collapsing and crumbling. We're going to see a lot of the great works of men that were done with that wrong motivation. Let's make a name for ourselves. We're going to see all that coming down, but we're going to see something else emerging. It's a church without spot, without wrinkle, without blemish. It's a people that loves the Lord with all of their heart, mind, soul, and strength. And their testimony may be just like Peter's. Sorry, pal, I don't have any silver or gold. And really, what you're begging for isn't what you need, but I got what you need. Silver and gold have I none, but what I have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ, get up and walk. Get up and walk. I think after that man was healed, walking and leaping and praising God, do you think money meant anything to him after that? <laughs> How much money would he have needed to collect to be able to walk and leap and praise God the way he was in the temple? No amount of money. No amount of money. And what you and I have, money can't buy. And here's where the devil often trips us up. He gets us majoring on what we don't have rather than paying attention to what we do. I have the Spirit of God. I have the Word of God. I have a revelation of God in my life. And I have decided whatever days, months, or years I have left, I'm not going to worry about amassing silver or gold or great building projects. I want to know him and I want to make him known to as many people as I possibly can. And I know that silver and gold is not going to have any limitation on that because God is unlimited. 
And all he's looking for is a man, a woman, a young man, a young child, somebody who will trust him, yield to his call, and say, here I am. Use my life. Which would you rather do? Struggle and strive and sweat and labor to make a name for yourself? Or humble yourself? Yield to God. Let Him have His way in your life and hear Him say, I'm going to make your name great. Now, I don't think that means every one of us is going to be President of the United States or Man or Woman of the Year on the cover of Time magazine. But then again, what is greatness? What is greatness? Is it not being used by God to accomplish His purpose for your life? I don't know of anything more exciting than that than to be in the will of God, flowing in what God has deposited in my life, and seeing Him touch people through me. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great. And you will be a blessing. I'm very concerned for the church in these last days. And as I say, I see a a separation, a parting of the ways. I see this one stream becoming more and more clear. We want to be a multi-million dollar corporation. We want to put on the Sunday show. And then I see another group that's moving in a whole different direction. You know, I attended one of the best church services in a long, long time last Sunday. I'm still glowing from that church service. You know where it was? It was in Pastor David Slens' living room. They call it Church on the Couch. It was his family, Pastor Tom Dant and Shireen and me. And I mean, we had some kind of a time with the Lord. You know, we've got this thing all wrong. We think we can only do church in a fancy building. We think we can only get close to the Lord if we have a great tower that reaches heaven and we've got a big name for ourselves out there. I'm finding God has different plans. And more often than not, the Lord likes to show up in living rooms and in humble little places where nobody's watching and nobody even cares what's happening. But He sees our hearts. And as for me and my house, I am determined to stay on that narrow road. If you got to wear a three-piece suit to be here, Pastor, throw me out. Well, i got to throw you out too. I mean, let, come on, let's be real. Who are we impressing? Now, I'm not against wearing a suit. If you want to wear a suit, fine. Fauncie, you can wear a suit if you want to wear a suit. I don't care what we wear, but when we start making that so important that we start to close out the anointing, we start to shut God out of our meetings because we want to have a certain image, that's scary to me. Very scary. And moving ahead, silver and gold we may have none, but what do we have? What do you have? Remember what God asked Moses? What do you have in your hand? What did he have in his hand? A stick. It was just a stick. It was a shepherd's staff. But what was in his hand when he gave it to the Lord, it took on a whole different character. 
And it was actually called something different thereafter. It was then called the rod of God. It went from being a stick that he used in the desert with his sheep to the rod of God. And you may be looking at your life saying, Pastor, I don't have a whole lot going for me. All I've got is a stick. Good. Give it to the Lord. Give your little stick. Give your little gift. Give your little talent to the Lord. Give your five cents if that's all you have. Give it to the Lord and see what he will do with it. God is in the business of multiplying. God is in the business of taking sticks and turning them into rods of power that can part red seas and bring great victories. We need to stop limiting God by looking at what we don't have and ask the Holy Spirit to open our eyes to what we do have. Let's pray. Father, I thank you this morning for the Holy Spirit. Thank you that the Holy Spirit is speaking to the church. Help us to hear what he is saying in these last days. The Spirit and the bride say, come, Lord Jesus. Your coming is near. And Lord, there's a lot of confusion in the world today, and even in the Christian world, a lot of confusion about what you're calling us for, what you're calling us to be, what you're calling us to do, Lord. And I pray that your Holy Spirit would open our eyes, enlighten our hearts, and help us to know clearly who we are and what we have. So that like Peter and John, when we see the cripples, we see the lame, we see the people in our world that have been crippled by sin, that have been hurt and damaged by evil, that we would be able to speak to them and say, what I do have, I give you. Rise up and walk. Lord, I pray in these days and weeks to come, as a church, we can unite together We can move in one spirit as we are hearing your call. And we would not try to imitate other people or copy other churches, but to do what you're calling us to do. Father, I thank you for each and every one here today. Now seal this word in our hearts and lives. Help us like Abraham to leave all of those things behind that have been hindering us. Cast off every sin and every weight and start to move forward in faith and in obedience. God bless your people. And I pray that during this week, you would enable each and every one of us in this room to be a blessing to someone else. That you would use our life to touch someone else's life in a real way. Like that lady in Pakistan or that pastor in India or maybe somebody down the street from us. Use us, O God, to minister to the world around us. To know you better and to make you known. Father, we thank you and we praise you today in Jesus' precious name. Amen and amen. God bless you all.